Okay, we welcome you back to the airwaves of Red Islam International. It's gone about 20 minutes to the hour of 10. Let's take a look at the questions that has come in. Mufti Sap rejoins us on the program now. Mufti Sap, there's a question here that reads, Is it permissible to say the words, Ya Rasulullah? The word Ya is an Arabic word which is used for an individual to call someone. Hmm. It's referred to as Harfun Nida, where is the person has been called or invoked is termed as the Munada. This is obviously from an Arabic linguistic point of view. So it is permissible to, for one to use the word Ya to refer to Allah as being omnipresent. And the usage of the word Ya is not restricted to Allah and can be used for any other individual provided this is done with the correct belief and practice. So in principle if a person says Ya Rasulullah, Ya Muhammad with the belief that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam hears every sound, sees every action, then it is not permissible. And that constitutes shirk, which is polytheism. But if one believes that the words, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Muhammad, are being sent to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam by the angels in the form of durood and salat and salam, then it is permissible for one to say such words. If one utters such wordings out of extreme love for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you just say, Ya Rasulullah. And it's not said because of any belief, without the incorrect belief, or, you know, it's just out of love. Then this is merely um, permissible, it is permissible, and uh, to such, utter such words. Uh, the issue is obviously that some people have the incorrect belief that Nabi Sallallahu is Hadir Nadir, ever omnipresent, know of the unseen. And that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam listens to everyone, everything that is pronounced or everyone that says Ya Rasulullah, Ya Muhammad. And therefore it's highly uh, you know, advisable that one refrains from this. But if one says it with the intention that the angel is taking it to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then that is fine. Okay, Jazakallah for that, Mufti Sahib. Uh, now here's an interesting question, right? This person says, I am a boy and have a very big and bulbous nose and the shape of the nose he writes in inverted commas is ugly my face looks ugly for because of my ugly nose then he further says i'm single and 26 years old my biggest dream in my life is to marry a beautiful girl the truth is i cannot marry someone who is not attractive to me Yes, uh, first and foremost, our bodies are an amana, a trust given to us by Allah. And we should protect our bodies as an amana as far as possible. We should ensure that we do not use our bodies for impermissible or unlawful activities that have been prohibited by the Sharia. Now, coming to the issue, cosmetic surgery is impermissible when it is, you know, just for adornment, for beautification. It turns into... Uh, you know what is termed as musla, mutilation of the body, or taghir khalqillah, which Shaitan said, I will change them, so it falls in that. And also, there is an element of khiyana, which is deception, all of which are prohibited by the Sharia. And the Fuqah have stated that medical surgery is permissible for a medical abnormality. For example, surgically removing a sixth finger or treatment of a dysfunctional and unnatural ear, etc. So with regards to the specific query, uh, it would be impermissible for you to undergo cosmetic surgery since you do not have a medical abnormality. I also state that you have certain marriage fears and we advise you to avoid negative feelings 
and do not lose hope and give our, you know, give away, get uh, caught into these pessimistic thoughts. Allah has chosen to create you in this way, in His infinite wisdom, uh, with the appearance that you have, and we should not question Allah's wisdom in this regard. And we make dua, sincere dua to Allah, to grant you a suitable partner who will be amicable to you. Also discuss uh, your marriage issue with your parents and advise them that you, you know, interested in getting married and approach the matter with positivity and uh, do that and leave the rest to Allah, inshallah. Okay, Jazakallah for that very beautiful du'a, uh, du'as that Mufti Sab made. I mean to them. Mufti Sab, here's, an, here's a question. A person says, can I photocopy a book for personal use which has got copyrights published? The copyright statements doesn't specifically say anything related to personal or commercial, commercial usage of the photocopied version. It only says in the quote, all rights reserved, neither this publication nor any part of it may be copied or reproduced in any form. Yes. The issue of copyright, you know, a copyright is designed to prevent a person from extensive of commercial use of work. And that's obviously considering the labor involved in producing that book. So therefore the copyright holder is considered more deserving of the work's commercial benefits than any other person uh, is not allowed to violate uh, the rights according to the Sharia. Think about, you know, publishing a book, uh, the extent that goes in writing the book, then uh, having the typesetting, editing, and, you know, the, pri- uh, the work that goes in that, then uh, the publishing of it. So there's a lot of money that gets spent. Uh, and uh, obviously the person who does that would well like to recoup that money. Uh, so that is where copyright comes in to prevent others from benefiting from it. But in the specific query, you know, copyright material can be reproduced depending on the law of the country that you reside in. And there is what is termed as the fair use doctrine in some countries, which allows limited non-commercial usage of copyrighted work without having to obtain permission from the author of that work. So in some places that is allowed and acceptable. Uh, So we would say that, you know, the best thing is you may obtain direct permission from the publishing house of the authorized work so that it doesn't turn out that you are in violation of any law under any circumstances. Okay. I, the person says, I have joined an organization whose client is a beer brewer company. We do not directly work for sales or contribution to it. Please advise if I can work for this company and get the salary from it. I had committed to pay off my debts to someone from the salary which I draw this month. Will it be permissible to use the salary for the month and quit the organization? So employment at a company like this, you know, is not permissible because majority of the source of income is from an impermissible source, from a haram source. And and therefore, we would advise you to seek alternate employment. Uh, You may dispense of your current salary in charity uh, if you are not deserving of the funds. Obviously, if you are very poor in your own right and uh, you need it, then in that instance, you can use it. But uh, if you don't, then you should give it out in charity. 
Okay, if someone mistakenly offers salah during hayth, uh, during hayth days, not knowing it was the hayth day, would they have to repeat the sunnah and nafal salahs in tilawa done during those days? So obviously to perform salah during hayth is obviously a major sin and something that has been prohibited. But rufi anil ummah, al khata wa nisyan, we are not taken to task for our uh, our forgetfulness and uh, our errors when we forget. So the, the sunnah and the nafil salah will not have to be repeated because you were not even in a state that you could initiate these things. And uh, therefore you won't have to repeat it. In terms of the farz also, look, there was no farz in any case. Uh, so you started the nafil, but you weren't in a state that you could perform it. So therefore there's no repetition of that. In terms of the tilaw of the Qur'an, you know, if you were just randomly reading Qur'an, then there's no need to repeat it. But sometimes you have a khatam, and during those days you read para 2, 3, 4, 5. Now you want to complete your khatam. So that recitation that took place in those days when you were actually off, that recitation is not valid. So if you want to complete your khatam, then we would advise you to reread uh, 2, 3, 4, 5, you know, those paras that you read in that case, so that uh, your khatam is completed and that you can get the complete reward of the khatam. But, per se, there's no khada of the actual reading itself during those days. Okay, is uh, bone china crockery halal to use? For example, bone china tea mugs. I ask because I understand in the making of bone china, bone shavings are used. Bone china is a type of soft paste porcelain that is composed of bone ash. And the traditional formulation of bone china is, you know, it has a certain makeup of 25% choline, uh, 25% cornish, and 50% bone, uh, bone ash. But the bone ash that is used in bone china is made from kettle bone that has a uh, lower iron content. And these bones are crushed before being uh, degelatinized and then uh, calcined into up to 1,250 degrees Celsius to produce bone ash. And the ash is milled to a fine particle size. And then the colon is a component of the body needed to give the unified body plasticity, which allows the particle to be shaped. So the raw material for bone china is about 50% bone ash derived from animal bones. And these bones undergo multiple processes staging from which uh, all meat is removed and the bone is completely cleansed. And once cleaned, the bone is treated to up to a thousand degrees Celsius so that all additional organic material is removed from the bone and the bone becomes sterilized. And, uh, you know, in the end, the newly sterilized bone is ground with water into the fine particles which can be used as raw material for the bone china. And uh, bone ash plays an important role in the creation of the bone china as the phosphate the bone generates uh, certain types of uh, you know beta tricylin and other components that uh, form this so most bone china products are produced with synthetic alternatives to the bone ash and because of that you know we would say that it is permissible to use bone china crockery 
Okay, that's a really, really interesting. Jazakallah for that very detailed answer, Muftisab. Allah reward you for that. I wanted to ask a few questions regarding the importance of making sure the ankles are always showing. All right, so they've got a few questions here. Is the hadith which commands all believing men to do this sahih? That's one question. Then they got another question. If salah is performed or the ankles covered, then the salah is valid but makru. They're asking it as a question. Is it valid but makru? Another question that they have on this is, if someone does not show their ankles or love their garment when this is a sign of pride and will be sinful for every second literally until he pulls up his garment. That's the third question. And the fourth question, if his garment is loose and falls down without his knowing, like when he's at work, so he's always adjusting, is he still sinful? Also providing his intention to make adjustments to all his trousers and pajamas. Okay, so let's go through it one by one. You know, mm. grading the hadith, uh, the wearing of the trousers uh, or garment below the ankles is strictly prohibited. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in a hadith, which is a sahih hadith, which is found in uh, many of the books of hadith, in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih al-Muslim, لا ينظر الله يوم القيامة إلى من جر إزاره بطراً Allah will not look on the day of Qiyamah at a person who drags his izar behind him out of pride and arrogance. So that is one hadith. Another hadith uh, which states in Sahih is مَا أَسْفَلَ مِنَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ مِنَ الْإِزَارِ فِي النَّارِ The part of an izar which hangs below the ankles is in the fire of Jahannam. Then there is another hadith which states الْإِزْبَالُ فِي الْإِزَارِ وَالْقَمِيسِ وَالْإِمَامَةِ uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said hanging down is in the, the, in the lower garment, the, uh, in the kurta, in the turban. And if anyone trails any of them, conceitedly Allah will not look at that person on the day of Qiyamah. And this is found in Abu Dawood. Uh, so those are just a few of the hadiths Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. Uh, and Abi Jurai, Jabir ibn Sulaim says that Qala Rasulullah Sallallahu said that have your lower garment halfway down to your shin. And if you cannot do it, have it up to the ankles and beware of trailing the lower garment for it is conceit. Uh, so these are some of the ahadith. You know, there are numerous other ahadith mm. which shows that. So that is to first answer the first question. The second question that the person had asked was uh, with regards to if, if a salah is performed with the ankles covered, then is the Salah valid? So in terms of this part of the question, which is the second part of the question, the prohibition of wearing long trousers that go below the ankles is not restricted to Salah, but applies under all times. And in principle, uh, you know, it's makru to, to do th those things by which Salah does not become fasid, but less sawab, zatayned. And a sin is committed. So having one's garment below the ankles is not a prerequisite of salah, but rather it's undesirable to do it in salah. Salah will be valid uh, as long as the faraiz of salah have been observed. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud is reported to have said that a person performing salah in such a condition is out of the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> now, the, the next part of it is, you know, with regards to pride. So wearing the pants below the ankles is impermissible and is sinful whether out of pride or not. And this is supported by the hadith 
Nuž nevyslal jsem se do Iyakeho izbalul izar inna minal mukhayela inna la laibul la yuhibbul mukhayela that you know refrain from prolonging the garment below the ankles for verily prolonging the garment below the ankles is a sign of pride and uh, Allah does not love those who have pride so we learn two things you know pride uh, and replicating the proud you know just as pride is loathsome uh, likewise to in, uh, to imitate the proud is also prohibited uh, and uh, whether one does this intentionally or not uh, so these are some of the points of consideration that one needs to keep in mind okay jazakallah for that mufti sahab let's take a look at other questions is it permissible to sell any game cards or game related stuff uh, like google play gift cards playstation cards etc yes so uh, what we need to keep in mind is Allah has created us for the purpose of His worship. One should adopt all those actions that lead us to His recognition, uh, to His pleasure, to His mercy. Likewise, all futile and useless, useless activities which do not result in any good whatsoever should be abandoned. And uh, so that is what we need to keep in mind at all times. Video games generally fall under the concept of amusement in Sharia and is thus detested and should be avoided. Uh, the perfection of a person's faith and obedience is to abstain from that which is useless and the playing of video games causes a person to incorrectly use time as well as other harms there's music, there's vulgar language uh, indecent material there's certain serious social and psychological implications and it would be impossible to play any video game which brings forth no good in the world of the year after entails anything contrary to the Islamic law uh, com, from, uh, you know, c- comprises or brings forth more harm and evil than benefit and good or is simply undertaken for amusement and uh, the purpose and is a hindrance in a total service to Allah so with regards to selling games if one is, is certain that the game fulfills the criteria, criteria then it will be permissible otherwise it will not be permissible uh, you know to any money that is accrued from that will be impermissible what is the ruling on purchasing items on an auction website that sells products that have been confiscated by police officers from several police stations in the form of forfeiture, seizure and lost items? In addition, products take the form of items that have been found in municipalities and on transit buses. Only items on transit buses have been given a 90-day reclaiming period after which the items have been considered unclaimed. Where the items on the website come from is not mentioned and it is impossible to know whether the items have been tried to be claimed during or after a claiming period and it is not possible to find out whether a person put an ad in the paper or not to find their lost item as the municipalities are vast in region so we obviously running out of time for this morning you know very quickly the concept that is referenced here is the concept of istila mm. legal authority uh, takes c- control over something so yeah police officers are government employees and work under the instruction of the government so items confiscated by the police are in government control and ownership. Uh, they've taken over it. So it is permissible to purchase items uh, auctioned by police officers. That would be permissible because of this concept of istila. Uh, there are still more questions, but unfortunately, Muftizab, we've run out of time. We're just going to have to leave it there for today. Muftizab, so much for your time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you in abundance. 
Amin barakallahu fikum assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Wa alaykum assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh